You're listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim. To find out more, go to calvaryanaheim.org. And now, here's Pastor James. Verse 18, it says, Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed. Praise God, they weren't naked. Five seas of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. And she said to her servants, go on before me. See, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. Now, she immediately goes into action here. She understands the severity of the situation that David, who is in all likelihood, in fact, not just likelihood for her. We find out here in a moment that she absolutely knows and believes that David will be the next king. And he is coming with his men to destroy Nabal's household, which includes you know, all of the males in his household. It's gonna be destroyed. And it would put her in danger as well. And so she immediately acts in the situation very wisely gets a gift together, sends it off to intercept David, and then she's gonna come after. Maybe she's thinking of the story of Jacob when he went to his, meet his brother Esau and the whole family went out before him and he was last, you know, with all those gifts. Or perhaps she wanted to put on some makeup before she went, I don't know. But she sent them on in front of her. And so in verse 20, so it was as she rode on the donkey that she went down under cover of the hill. And there were David and his men coming down toward her, and she met them. Now David had said, surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him. And he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so and more also to the enemies of David if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. Man, he is irate. He is mad. He's full of vengeance. His pride is injured. And uh, he wants food for his men. So he was about to make a grave mistake by taking vengeance into his own hands. You know, it's funny that our whole sermon last week was about that and how David was a positive example. And now his blood has boiled over and he is being a negative example of this very thing. Isn't it funny how our flesh is? How one minute we can be filled with the Spirit and doing all the right things. And then, you know, we're denying self, we're picking up our crosses, etc., then we suddenly fly off the handle under different circumstances. And the devil loves to come in with the same temptation, but a different angle, a different angle. Maybe you have grace for a particular person and they can get away with things that other people can't. And so you're like, grace, grace, but it really pushes you to the edge and you just exercise that self-control. And then someone else that you don't care for as much does something similar let him have it, you know? And so here, David is falling to this. 
And we see that he too, like us, is a sinner and needs an intervention from the Lord. And so this is why, friends, we should always be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It says in Ephesians 5.18, do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation or excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And in the Greek, it's be being filled with the Holy Spirit continuously. Sometimes when we have a great victory, we can let our guard down. Sometimes we can be at work and, and God is filling us with the Spirit and we're interacting and we're being patient and everything. And then we're headed home and we're ready to kick our feet up, turn on the game, and just flesh out. And something happens in the home. Kids won't be quiet. You find out that you have to babysit the grandkids that night. You get a call or whatever that interrupts your evening, and you're just like, ah, man, this is lame. You know? But God gave you all this grace all day long, and then you're like, oh, man, what happened? Well, you let your guard down spiritually. No longer be being filled with the, the Spirit. But all right, Holy Spirit, as I go through the door, we're done with you, and it's time for me to be at home and be in the flesh. But if we can have that mentality of praying as we go through the door, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I know it's been a long day, Lord, and I'm tired, but there's, there's a family to minister to. There's friends. There's, the day's not over yet. I'm not asleep yet. And so fill me with your Holy Spirit continually in every situation. Verse 23, again, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 23. It says, now, when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed down to the ground. So she's showing humility. She's showing respect. Verse 24, so she fell at his feet and said, on me, my Lord, on me let this iniquity be. Please, let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. You see how she comes before him as if he's a king already, bowing down to him and showing reverence and respect. And then calling herself his maidservant. Instead of saying, what are you doing, you idiot? Put your swords away but showing reverence to him. In verse 25, please, let not my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. You see, his name means fool. I don't know what mother would name her child fool, but that is what his name means. And in the Bible, if you're reading through like the book of Psalms or Proverbs, it talks about the fool. And the fool is an unbeliever. The fool is, the Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. The fool. So he is acting like his name. He's acting foolishly. And his wife recognizes that and goes ahead and says, says what, it is what it is. And this is what my husband's doing. Middle of verse 25, but I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. 
So she's, she's saying, hey, I'm the one who's hospitable around the place, <laughs> and I didn't see these men come. So they had an audience with my husband, and he's a scoundrel. But if I had seen them, believe me, things would have worked out differently. Verse 26, now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. In other words, David, God's going to deal with Nabal. She understands this principle and she is reminding David of what he already knows, but isn't living out at this time. And she's saying, don't do this, David. Don't commit bloodshed. Don't avenge yourself by your own hand, but trust the Lord and see what he does. Verse 27, and now this present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. And so she gives this gift of all of the food that we read about earlier, and she's very generous and gives to them this gift. Verse 28, please forgive the trespass of your maidservant. Again, showing humility by acknowledging that, hey, forgive me my trespass. Forgive me for not being around and, and receiving these, these messengers the way that I should have. For the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house. Listen to this. Because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord and evil is not found in you throughout your days. So she shows him respect and will continue to do so. And she's showing faith here and will continue to do so. That you know what? God is going to make for you an enduring house because he's promised to do so and I'm believing that in faith. And you need to be reminded of this, David. You need to know this. You need to have faith. And she's saying it very nicely and very respectfully, but she is speaking the truth in love. And she knows if she were dealing with a harsher man, this would not work because the man's pride would get in the way and he would just, I don't know, lop off her head or something terrible like that. But she is stepping out, she's speaking the truth, she's doing it respectfully to David. Now, verse 29, yet a man has risen to pursue you, speaking of Saul, and seek your life, but the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God, and the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. Wow, she's getting real poetic and metaphorical here. And so she says, David, you're bound up in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. You're not going to die, but you're going to be among the living. You don't have to worry about it. Saul will not be successful. She's encouraging him in the Lord. And then she says, in the lives of your enemies, he shall sling out. What's that remind you of? David and his sling, David and Goliath, as from the pocket of a sling. She's reminding David of what God has done in the past for him. 
and the victory that God gave him, bringing him back to that moment where he was trusting in the Lord and had that flooding of faith from the Holy Spirit to run at Goliath. And she's showing her admiration for him and her respect for him in this way. And so in verse 30, it says, she continues to speak to him and says, and it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel. Again, she's showing faith here in the promises of God. Interesting how she's aware of these promises that God has made to him. That this prophetic word about David has spread. And she is wholeheartedly believing the word of God in faith. Whereas Nabal, perhaps, is not. And is afraid David is, you know, just this, rebel- this rebellious man coming against Saul. But she is having faith in the word of God. And so she goes on to say in verse 31, so when this happens, when you become ruler over Israel, verse 31, that this will be no grief to you, nor offense of heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself. She's having wisdom And she's imparting that wisdom and that counsel to David. David, you're going to be king. God is going to make this happen. But if you go through with this today, this is going to trouble you for all your days. It's going to trouble your heart. You will have grief and regret and remorse. It will be an offense of heart to you. So don't do it. Don't go through with it. Man, the boldness of this woman and the honesty, and the wisdom, and the foresight to be able to see down the road and go, this is going to be the consequence of your choice today if you go through with it. If we could only have that foresight, right, in our dealings and our interactions, if we could trust the Lord and go, you know what, 10 years from now, it's going to be a different situation. And so today, how does that impact the way I respond and the way I react to whatever's happening right now in this moment. If we could just stop ourselves and see, then we would make a lot of different decisions. And so here God in his grace sends Abigail to David to bring the wisdom of the Lord even in the midst of his burning passion for revenge And his ego is at its height right now. And she comes along, sent by God, to diffuse that. And so she goes on to say in the middle of verse 31, But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. She is speaking with such great faith and such great confidence that God is going to minister to David's heart and he's going to repent and not go through with this, that she's saying, now that I've spoken, don't forget this moment, you owe me. (laughs) You owe me, buddy, because I just saved you, man, from doing something really stupid that would have a long-lasting negative impact on your life. 
So remember me, my Lord. Now, she's totally, absolutely right. Because look at David's reaction in verse 32. It says, Then David said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. And blessed is your advice. And blessed are you because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. David receives the counsel of Abigail and her instruction and her wisdom. Now remember, in these days, women were not looked upon very highly. They were seen like property. There's lots of polygamy, and David will fall to that. And so for him to receive this instruction would mean he would need an extra measure of humility, especially in that culture and in his position and in front of his men. As this woman comes and chastises him, really, and puts him in his place, but he rejoices in the Lord. This says something of his character. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, really on the topic of, you know, Abigail encouraging David to do the right thing. This is what we're told to do in Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as we see the day approaching, the last day. We're to meet together for the purpose of exhorting each other and stirring up love and good works. This is one of the reasons we're here, friends, is to stir that up in each other. Hey, let's love, let's love each other. Let's love God together. Let's love our neighbor together. Let's love one another. And we have to approach each other sometimes in the way that Abigail approaches David and say, whoa, let's not go through with this. Think about this. How is this going to impact your life? And we would do well to be like David and receive that instruction. Verse 34, 1 Samuel 25, verse 34, it says, for indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has kept me back from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, surely by morning light, no males would have been left to Nabal. So again, David immediately receives the correction and repents. He recognizes his near disastrous misstep. And there's no doubt that Abigail now has David's full admiration and perhaps attraction too. Verse 35, so David received from her hand what she had brought him. Yes, the physical gifts, but so much more that she had brought from her words of exhortation from the Lord and her wisdom and foresight. And so he said to her, middle of verse 35, go up in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. He respected her person. This is not just an action, friends, but respect is an attitude. It's an attitude. You can do the action, 
but have the wrong attitude. There was a boy in church and they were all sitting down and the pastor said, please stand up. And the boy was sitting here like this and he wouldn't stand up. And the mother's like, stand up, stand up. And he wouldn't stand up. And then, I can't remember, she, she uh, threatened him or something. Oh, you're going to get a spanking when you get home if you don't stand up. And so he stands up. He says, but I'm sitting in my heart. <laughs> Is the boy respecting his mother? No. Even though he's standing, he's being obedient, but disrespectful. Disrespectful. And so here, David obeys the Lord and shows Abigail respect. And we see that same respect towards David as well. And so we can contrast Nabal's reaction to correction and David's reaction, right? Nabal wouldn't hear it from anyone. Don't tell me, man. That David and his men, I'm not gonna give them from my supplies. I don't care what he did for me. I didn't ask him to do it. I'm not going to give him from my abundance. And the servants were trying to plead with him and say, don't, don't do this, Nabal. This is unwise. But he's harsh, a son of Belial, and would have none of it. Whereas David, knowing that he's going to be king one day, I'm going to be king, having even more reason to be prideful, if anybody has reason to be prideful, humbled himself and received the instruction from Abigail. Proverbs 9.9 says, give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. Be teachable, friends. This is the heart of God. None of us have arrived there's always something new to learn, and everyone that we come into contact with has something to offer that we don't yet have or that we have not yet mastered, and we can learn something from anybody, anybody. When I was working as a lean leader, you're like, what's a lean leader? I didn't even know what it was when I got hired in the role. <laughs> Continuous process improvement manager, going around telling people that perhaps there's a better way to do this. You ever come in as the new person and tell someone who's been working there 20 years that there's a better way to do it? Who do you think you are? I've been doing this 20 years. And I'd be like, well, I'm, I don't know how you can improve it, but I'm certain you can so why don't we meet together and we'll talk about it. And, and the people that were humble and teachable, you sit them in your conference room and you talk for a while about how they might improve their process and they walk out excited. And they're the ones who think of the ideas because they're familiar and they know and sometimes they already know what they're shortcutting, you know, or whatever that's causing problems. And then there's others, well, it takes a while to get them in the room, but when they finally do, they leave seeing the light. And so let's be teachable, friends. Let's be humble. Let's recognize that there is always room for improvement. This is part of the Christian walk. Understanding that 
sanctification is a process, and we're being daily conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said, I have not yet apprehended. I have not arrived. Well, if he hasn't arrived, what about me? What about you? We've got a long way to go, friends. So let's be teachable like David was teachable. Even if it's coming from someone who we might consider below us. Who are you to speak to me? You're just six. I remember I went out to fly my, uh, this, um, this remote control airplane in the desert with my son. He was three years old. And I'm like, yeah, all right. I kept crashing and stuff. He says, Daddy, Daddy, Dad, Dad. And I'm like, oh, no, sorry, sorry. Finally, I'm like, all right, here, you give it a try. He's like, flying around everywhere. I'm like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) Anybody, out of the mouth of babes, let's be teachable. You've been listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim in Anaheim, California. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to visit. Check out calvaryanaheim.org for location, service times, and more. We'd love to hear from you. To let us know how God has touched your life through this program or to submit a prayer request, simply go to calvaryanaheim.org and scroll down to the Get in Touch form at the bottom of the homepage. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to listen again next time for another edition of Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Anaheim.